0: Anthony Blinken's recent two-day stop in South Korea is important note for a number of different reasons. It was the first of its kind by the U.S. Secretary of State in over two and a half years, but also it's part of a broader Asia trip that included a stop in Japan and the Middle East. The U.S. seems focused on the Indo-Pacific in its efforts to address increasing North Korea-Russia military ties and brokering that humanitarian pause in the Gaza Strip. For further insights, we now connect with Professor Kim Byung-ju of the Hankuk University University of Foreign Studies. Good morning, Professor Kim. Good morning. Hope you had a good weekend.
1: I did. I hope you did the same.
0: <laughs> Thank you very <laughs> much. Uh, uh, can, I, can we first review what was on the agenda for the U.S. Secretary of State's uh, visit to South Korea?
1: Yeah, to that question, I think we have to link it to the item that you mentioned in the news program mm-hmm. that is uh, not only Tony Blinken last week but this week today as we speak Secretary of Defense of the United States Lloyd, uh, Lloyd Austin is visiting uh here in Seoul as well this mm-hmm. is uh, all about US Korea uh, security ties basically mm-hmm. and uh, Lloyd Austin uh is uh, joining the security consultative uh meeting with his counterpart here in Korea and so that's security side and uh foreign policy and diplomatic side was taken care of by uh Tony Blinken uh, last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as I said um, in the nas- you know the defense defense issues national security issues uh you know US Korea joint uh you know the security cooperation of course when we talk about it uh, north north Korea is the main focus of course. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that of course uh, there were uh, questions about the economic security when we talk about economic security, the key issue there is the uh, de-risking, for instance, that, we, that people are talking about with regard to China and so on. So mm. those were the uh, item list, if you will, for, mm. uh, you know, uh, LinkedIn's visit last week.
0: Uh, thank you for providing us with a short list, but I mean, if you trickle down, I mean, that does expand to much bigger conversations. I, can go on for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I have about an hour left for my program. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, this was not a direct trip from Washington to Seoul and back. In fact, it followed a meeting of G seven foreign ministers in Japan. Namely, what did the Secretary of State's uh, full itinerary tell us about the things he's working on?
1: Hmm. Uh, this is also. Um, point that you mentioned the uh, opening this segment my segment here Mm -hmm. uh, that is uh, Blinken was flying from actually uh, Israel to all the way to Tokyo and then Seoul now as we speak he's in India right Mm -hmm. now uh, so and after India he's going to be flying to in my understanding San Francisco for APEC meeting Mm -hmm. so uh, these his itinerary kind of uh, uh, reflects the current priorities and topics uh, uh, you know, the, the important, uh, uh, you know, like issues that uh, United States uh, di- machine of diplomacies is involved here. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Israel Palestine conflict is immediate fire that they have to put uh, off. they're working on, uh, Blinken visited, I think, for the past several weeks uh, since the end of October, uh, later part of October. And this time, I think he visited Israel like three times. So, uh, there is a real urgency there for sure. and But uh, while doing so, he had to fly to Tokyo for G7 uh, foreign ministers meeting. Mm-hmm. So uh, at the same time, there are things going on in G7, but also uh, Japan, uh, bilateral U.S.-Japan issue is important. And now uh, last week he was in, in Korea, in Seoul, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, U.S.-Korea issues, and now he's in india as i said uh, as we speak Mm. and then he's flying to uh, apex uh, san francisco apex san francisco is important for many different respects but uh, more than anything for him tony blinken uh, the summit between uh, biden and xi jinping Mm. is taking place Mm. so uh that's going to be very important as well so these are all kind of like uh, his as i said you know where he's stopping and reflects what the top priorities are for U.S. foreign policy.
0: Hmm. Dr. Kim, there are a lot of changes within a week's time frame, but I think you may have chosen next week's topic for us. <laughs> oh,
1: okay.
0: <laughs> Probably Xi Jinping and Joe Biden meeting. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Uh, how do we make sense of the Korea-Japan part of uh, Blinken's itinerary in the greater context, the latest U.S. strategy that seems to be very much focused on uh, the Indo-Pacific at large?
1: That's a very important question because we can go all the way back to, for example, 9 one and since what has been happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, 9-1-1, uh, as that happened, war against terror, uh, George W. Bush uh, fighting war against terror uh, and terrorists mm-hmm. for years and perhaps too long in Iraq and Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And so by the time Obama came into office, uh, United States began talking about what strategies called uh, offshore balancing, mm-hmm. meaning that let's take United States out of these regions where the country has spent decades getting involved. And because these are not the regions that the uh, United States really has a top priority and, and biggest interest. And in mm-hmm. they, and, uh, they said, uh, with offshore balance, Af- offshore balancing, the idea means, uh, mm-hmm. faraway lands, you work with the allies. To work out their own problems, basically, without United States presence there. And what that means is, was made clear by the next jargon that came up uh, with offshore balancing under Obama. Uh, the idea that came up was called pivot to Asia, meaning the United States, hmm. Asia is really important place. And so they want to move away from Europe, Middle East and elsewhere, and then they wanted to focus on Asia hmm. with the with the title people to Asia. Why? Because of China, basically. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so the focus was here. But recently, however, right, Ukraine and mm-hmm. Israel and Palestine mm-hmm. uh, cases, United States is kind of being kind of uh, diverted again, mm-hmm. uh, kind of uh, distracted again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but however, though, uh, Blinken's stop over in uh, Japan, Tokyo this time uh, last week, and then Seoul reminds us that still, you know, the United States wants to make a point that their focus is here in this part of the world rather than elsewhere, mm-hmm. um, rather than Ukraine or you know, Israel. If they if they can make things to, uh, happen the way that they want it, uh, their priority is right here. And so a uh, very much clear statement that China is their, their priority and Northeast East Asia is their priority. And, of course, his India visit also supports the idea of you know this Indo-Pacific uh, alliance—that's mm-hmm. all focused on China, basically. Right, right.
0: Uh, we heard that uh, on his trip, of course, to Seoul, uh, Anthony Blinken talked a lot about North Korea and Russia and its increasing military cooperation. He would want to keep that in check. So, what should we note in his statement?
1: Interesting point. He had a lot. Uh, he said a lot of things that you mentioned uh, about North Korea and Russia. But uh, one of the things that we note is he talked uh about china Mm. Uh, he said uh, you know china has to see its interest in kind of like maintaining balance and stability in this region probably implying uh, almost certainly implying china's role in calming down kind of uh, russia and uh, north korea interaction and so was saying you know it's critical for Russia uh, for China to see this interest in in stabilizing the situation and and, win, and implied higher involvement of China on that uh, that respect hmm. and that uh, aspect of the issue and uh, Foreign Minister Park Jin uh, also added uh, saying similar points that China has a big stake in this game and so on so uh, we thought it was interesting you know the mm-hmm. exchange between. Uh, foreign ministers of the United States and Korea hmm. actually talking about China a lot with regard to Russia and North Korea. Hmm.
0: Uh, we know that Russia is, of course, causing concerns worldwide, uh, not just because it's helping North Korea, but also because here's a different perspective we should be paying attention to. It's gearing up its arms race with the United States. Uh, can you provide some context for this new global concern?
1: Yeah, uh, what we are talking about here is uh, largely about what, actually Russia has done for the past about two weeks time, uh, particularly November 2nd, November 7th, November 9th. I and mean, this is really, really back to back move. What I'm talking about here is Russia's kind of like pull out uh, withdrawal from its global commitment for controlling uh, nuclear weapons. And th- this is alarming because, mm-hmm. of course, since the beginning of Ukraine war uh, last year, February, mm-hmm uh occasionally and 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 i think the frequency has been increasing over time but russia in seeing western assistance to ukraine uh russia you know often talked about possibility of not being uh, bound by nuclear uh, -nuclear, anti-nuclear obligations meaning that you know if we really if you guys really drive us into big trouble we might actually think about using nuclear weapons those Mm -hmm. were statements or ideas they were raised several times Mm -hmm. and now in response to that what we saw this month november 2nd 7 and 9 is russia pulling out of their commitments specifically Mm -hmm. uh first uh i guess what happened was the ctbt ctbt is comprehensive nuclear test ban treaty Mm -hmm. that russia mm, Actually, it was initiated by United Nations. United, States, United Nations initiated the CTBT, Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty, 1996, and Russia is one of the countries that signed the treaty and then uh, ratified. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, what it means is that you know these countries are committing that they are not going to really seek advancement of nuclear weapons. So. Uh, signing and ratifying this treaty is important and Mm -hmm. now what happened was november 2nd as the first step this month among the three steps uh, russia said it's going to uh, nullify its Uh. ratification of the treaty it's pulling out so uh, basically technically russia can now test any kind of nuclear weapons they want okay Uh, so that's alarming and the seventh what happened was russia pulled out what's called the cfe uh treaty it's a deal between russia and eu uh, but just technically speaking it's a deal between uh, nato and warsaw pact we, of course you re- recall warsaw pact as a military alliance for uh, former soviet a- uh, union allies mm-hmm. so uh, that the that, that treaty itself uh, cfe treaty was about controlling conventional uh, arms between mm-hmm. european side on one hand Western European side on one hand under NATO, Mm -hmm. and then Eastern European side under uh, Warsaw Pact. And Russia declared on the 7th that they're going to pull out of this CFE treaty as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, CFE was important for Western Europe during Mm -hmm. the Cold War because of uh, importance of uh, Russian conventional uh, arms. Mm -hmm. They thought you know, while there was a balance in nuclear weapons on both sides, mm-hmm. there was, in terms of conventional weapons, Russia had upper hand and they had CFE in place in order to control it. But mm-hmm. r- Russia has just uh, declared, as I said, on the seventh, they're going to pull out of it. So, nuclear side, they made an action and then followed by the conventional weapons side as well. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, on the ninth, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. Russia said he's going; it's going to nullify it notify its uh, treaty with Japan with regard to nuclear weapons. Uh, this this treaty was signed in 1993, uh, you know, when North Korea was testing its nuclear weapons and so on. And so uh, Russia saw it was a way to kind of refrain uh, Japan from thinking about arming itself with nuclear weapons. But but this side also thought, you know, this additional treaty between Japan and Russia will help in terms of retraining Russia as well. But mm. Uh, Russia has announced on the line that they will pull a lot of this one as well. So uh, the bottom line is this. Russia pulling out of these treaties is not like definitely, totally kind of depressing. Doomsday uh, scenario. The, <laughs> doomsday scenario. It, okay. it is not. Okay. It is not. Because these treaties were kind of like a halfway functioning. Some of them were not functioning okay. uh, and, and so on. So these are all symbolic actions. But still. Okay. As an early warning signs on right. Russia, what it's trying to do. Okay. And kind of Russia on its part trying what it can in raising uh, warnings towards this part of the world. So. Mm-hmm. This is definitely a move to note, but not to be scared about too
0: much. Okay, so you don't want to alarm our listeners completely. And thank you for managing mm-hmm. our expectations. But Dr. Kim, here's a fundamental question I've always meaning to ask you. To ratify these kinds of deals, it takes many parties. But, and I always assume that it's binding with certain, um, I guess, uh, members expected mm-hmm. to abide by it. Uh, is it just much easier to nullify in terms of countries like Russia?
1: I, I guess nullify is made uh, uh, easy, relatively speaking, rather yeah. than kind of like ratifying because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, executive can uh, announce it and then they, they want to reserve that tool in order to protect what countries love to call uh, sovereignty, national sovereignty. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They want to pull out when they can <laughs> right, and when they want right, to. And right. so that has been usually the system. And that's what Russia is using this time.
0: Okay. Uh, when we see Russia taking such steps back and the U.S. needing to, of course, respond somewhat similarly, it's hard not to notice China as an important factor causing this reversal at large. Could you explain that bigger context?
1: Yeah, that that context is what uh, analysts are increasingly talking about. Why is Russia doing this and then... And then also, you know, we have to recognize Trump administration under Mm -hmm. Donald Trump was doing similar things Mm -hmm. on the United States side as well. And why is this happening altogether? Of course, there's a Ukraine. Of course, all these different things happening. uh, But uh, China is very important in the sense that actually used to be it was United States and the Soviet Union, bipolar system, two superpowers facing against one another with... Uh, you know, un, um, unbelievable amount of nuclear weapons mm. in their position. But now China is fast increasing their own uh, nuclear arsenal. Uh, mm. Reports say as of this, this May, China already has 500 uh, or more nuclear warheads. Mm. And by 2030, they will actually have 1,000 uh, nuclear weapons. Mm. Uh, right now, in my understanding, I have to look up the specific numbers. I think Russia and and United States have like three thousand, okay. so uh, and China having one thousand is means a lot in this sense. So the main point being, without China included, any kind of nuclear weapons control arms control system is not as meaningful anymore. Uh. So, so in a way, you know, these uh, United States Russia pulling out of these uh, obligations is bad, is negative, but this could be a step towards building trilateral arrangements going forward. So Mm. we'll have to closely watch what actually happens Mm -hmm. as a result of these.
0: And Dr. Kim, finally, all these developments offer critical implications for Korea. Uh, What should we take away? Mm, Right. Uh, You know, the the
1: system under which we've been arguing for North Korea's denuclearization Mm -hmm. has been all these different mechanisms we've been talking about, you know, nuclear weapons, uh, arms control uh, treaties, and NPT, Mm Non-Proliferation Treaty, and all that kind of stuff. Now, uh, with all these changes happening to this uh, system that had been in place ever since the time of uh, Cold War, Mm -hmm. uh, looks like they are being dismantled. And what this means is uh, the, the system of stability that has been put in place for world community is kind of being loosened. And this actually offers greater opportunity for North Korea to further increase and further accelerate their pace of arming itself with nuclear weapons. So this is alarming mm. in the sense. And for South Korea, actually, this could act as uh, uh kind of add forces or add. Uh, you know, it could further drive North uh, South Korea's conservatives uh, that have been those who have been raising voice and seeking calling for a so-called ultimate solution. Uh, ultimate solution is the idea that all this situation about North Korea nuclear weapons will be fundamentally resolved by allowing South Korea to have its own nuclear weapons. Mm. So uh, the overall situation would probably support uh, such position in right. a way, seeking so-called ultimate solution.
0: And we'll ask our North Korea expert on Thursday whether or not is that's a feasible idea. Dr. Kim, mm. thank you so much for today's discussions and insights. We'll speak to you again next week.
1: Thank you very much.
0: If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.